Bracken and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with his mid-midfield. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Welcome back to the AFC Here We Go podcast. This is our first episode of 2019. Glad to have you all back with us. We've got a yeah another packed show for you as always. We've still not sold our souls to Google for a million pounds. So once again, Richard Hayes back. How you doing, Richard? Uh, hello, hello everybody. Happy New Year to you. Um, <laughs> I think it shows a great deal about our work rate that we're 20th of January and this is the first time we've roused ourselves to to do a podcast this year. Other podcasts that are slightly hungrier for your cash have been churning out two a week since the start of the year. We're also joined this week, um, we have back on the podcast, always a delight to have you back, Erin Grievous with us. How are you Erin? I'm very well, thank you, thank you for having me. That's no problem at all. So Richard, let's delve right into this one, um, let's pull the pull the band-aid off of this one. Uh, Stenhouse Muir at home, did we underestimate Stenhouse Muir there? I don't know about underestimate, um, I think the preparation would have been probably the same as it always is. I think the tactical setups and so on, they would have taken account of what Stennis Muir were likely to uh, set up against us. Maybe I think once we got the first goal, there was an element of uh, us playing like we were 3-0 up. It just wasn't the urgency and there wasn't the uh, zip about the play that you'd hope and you'd expect. Everything was very, very laboured. In fact, even probably before the goal, everything was pretty laboured. The goal itself was one of the few examples in the whole of the first half, and possibly the whole of the game, in which we really moved the ball with a decent amount of pace and a decent amount of invention. Um, And we got a reward for it, a nicely worked goal. Greg Stewart, very central to that. But, yeah, the whole afternoon, it it just seemed to be we were doing things at at walking pace. It was actually very reminiscent for a long time of the St Johnston performance, although obviously up against a much poorer opponent. But the amount of times that the centre-halves would just pass it between each other, and it was aimless, and there was lots of pitch ahead of them that they could have gone and eaten up and pushed them back. I mean, obviously, Stan Esmeer's game plan was very much to sit back and everyone behind the ball defend 25, 30 yards from their goal, which didn't change when we got the opening goal. And that's fine. They're entitled to play however they want. But our approach, our mindset, I think, as much as anything else, was that you know, we're gonna we're gonna scoosh this. And that's probably reflected in the stands as well. You know, everyone was talking beforehand about not showing any mercy, about, you know, a good opportunity to get some goals and we've maybe become a bit inured lately to uh, the possibility and the danger of cup shocks. I mean, we went through some awful, awful times, obviously. You know, we shouldn't forget the danger that these teams pose. But I think there was maybe an element of that in the stand and definitely a large element of that on the pitch and uh, it just wasn't good enough. I mean, Stenhousemuir definitely rode their luck at times, Aaron. Um, and as Richard alludes to there, um, Stenhousemuir manager said that, you no, know, we came to Pataudry 
um, and we knew fine that we would have to frustrate Aberdeen. It just adds to the frustration that, and I know I don't know that's one of these oh, if Manti had balls kind of things, but on another day we would have put this to bed with very little trouble. Yeah, it was weird. I think I don't think we underestimated them, but I think possibly just overestimated ourselves a bit. We looked quite good in the first half. We looked fairly comfortable. Maxwell's goal was good. You know, on Twitter, people put in their predictions and stuff, and everyone's saying 6-0, 7-0. I thought it was going to be 7-0, to the point where I put money on that. I think we were all expecting just some absolute walkover. We, I think, scored and then seemed to kind of just ride out till the end of the first half. And they came back with passion and intent. And their keeper was very good in the second half. I wasn't sure on him in the first, but they were certainly, he was certainly better. And we seemed to come back in the second half just kind of doing what we'd been doing. The passing, I think, passing has been our problem for a long, long, long time, where we can't string two passes together. Playing backwards is our favourite thing to do. You know, it, we're, it's one all. it's a cup game. And the amount of times I've seen us 1-0 down, and Joe Lewis has the ball ten times in a minute, because we don't want to play forwards. I certainly dispute, Martin, the, the concept that they rode their luck. I don't think we we had enough shots on target, and we made Graham Smith work hard enough. There was the Mackay save from Mackay Stephen, which was at a fairly narrow angle, and certainly Greg Stewart probably should have put away the the excellent uh, work and cutback from now again uh, on or around the hour mark. And yeah, perhaps in the balance of play, we, we we should have won the game, but we didn't really do enough in or around the goals. I mean, you can probably count the amount of times that Cosco, for example, touched the ball in a really dangerous area. Greg Stewart was, as he was in his first spell with us, neat and tidy in the ball, not really that damaging, not making the impact in the right areas. And that's a, a little bit of a concern for me, that we're just going to go through more or less the same um, that we had with Greg Stewart last season. You know, looking good on the ball, but lacking end product and not really being able to link with uh, with the striker, which he obviously did, uh, has done this season to tremendous effect at Kilmarnock. So I was actually a little bit surprised, and I know we'll talk about Greg Stewart, but I was a little bit surprised that he came in and started straight away, because I think at best he would have arrived in Aberdeen on Friday night, possibly Saturday morning, and certainly wouldn't have had a training session with the team. So I was a little bit surprised he started, but obviously, you know, you want him to get off to a good start and you want him up and running as soon as possible. He's obviously seen as a, a key signing for the second half of the season. All day, we we didn't do enough in an attacking sense at all. Far too few people backed themselves to take on their man, beat the man, create the sort of space that uh, would have led to more openings. Gary McCast even had a very poor afternoon, I think it's fair to say. Uh, McLennan, when he replaced him, didn't really do a great deal either. Now McGinn only really seemed to get going for a 15-minute spell after he, he was on the end of quite a bad tackle. But yeah, they were being double, triple marked at times, but again, you've got to look at the, the calibre of the opposition and the level of the opposition. And it, it just was disappointing all around that our better players didn't back themselves to do a bit more. Uh, one thing, Aaron, I would mention as well is that um, Graham Shaney's post-match interview um, said that we switched off after the goal. I don't want to be too negative about this one because we're not out of the cup, and so there is you no, know, there is still something to look forward to, and I'm trying to find the the glass half full thing. But after 21 minutes in a game, switching off against us, and as Richard meant, you know the level of, of that level of opposition is it an, is that maybe, like I, I suggested earlier, it was maybe underestimating. If it's not that, is it just there's an arrogance there that thought maybe we could we could we're we're home and dry here, um, and this game will take care of itself. On paper, they are miles away from where we are and I know cup sets happen but 
we are generally, I would say, a fairly respectful team. I don't think we assume we're going to win every game. It, I just think it was odd. I don't know. If it, probably something to do with the winter break. You know, they've all had a nice trip to Dubai. Half of them might as well have still been there. I think there was a complacency that was poor. And to be honest, but there were times where I was just bored. You know, if you've got the ball and you're obviously pushing them and, you know, they've got all their players in their own half, have a shot, try and do something. You might as well have a chance. We just looked like we couldn't do anything up front again, which has been our problem for a lot of the season. And actually, I think the two best players were probably Greg Stewart and Max Lowe, who, you know, have been away, who haven't been playing. Okay, Greg Stewart was here before, but he was a different player when he was here before. And it was just strange to see the rest of the team act as though they maybe thought that this was just going to be a tick box exercise and move on. Their goal, Richard, comes from a, good, a pretty good ball out in the box, to be fair. And McGuigan gets in, heads it at home, um, just sneaks in front of McKenna to head it, head it in. They'll be delighted because they've they've probably done what they expected. Though. They've managed to, managed to get a draw, get a replay. It's, it's pretty much job done for them, really, isn't it? However sort of lumping we were uh, for the first 70 minutes, I don't think anybody sat within that ground really expected them to score because they barely broke out of their own half. And, of course, when it came... it. It was going to naturally owe a lot to our mistake. And yes, Conor McLennan's definitely at fault. I think Lewis Ferguson's also at fault. I don't think there's quite enough pace on the ball. I think both of them didn't put the sort of care into that passage of play that they would have done had it been 1-0 against a Premier League opponent. And then, of course, the the defenders in the middle aren't aren't switched on either to the change in possession. Uh, you've got Scott McKenna, who allows his man to drift off him when the cross comes in. Max Lowe's there and he's basically daydreaming as well, I think. Uh, it's not his fault that the ball's lost or that uh, the Stennis Muir player gets a free header, but he, he's not alert to the situation. And to be fair, I don't think many in the crowd probably were that alert to the situation because, you know, they had had a break, they'd lost it, everyone probably looked away for a second, looked at their phones or whatever, and then suddenly we're in danger, one ball into the middle and it's a goal. And it's, it just demonstrates how easy it can be, how quickly things can turn in football. And after that, we were nervy. We were very nervy after that. And I was I was almost happy to take the draw at the end because anything could have happened in the last 15 minutes because you could see it. You could see the players were, were just nervous. And obviously, Stennis Muir got a lift. I'm not prepared to to kind of give them any sort of upside for this other than the fact that yeah we didn't go out it's almost merciful that that performance wasn't in the league because it would have cost us two points but it was it was dreadful dreadful on Saturday just as I say just going through the motions just mentally thinking that this is done and not giving it the right sort of care and attention it deserved. Aaron we've got the replay a week on Tuesday Um, it's not ideal having uh, another midweek game to look forward to I suppose Um, but no December was a very busy month and it'd be fair we did okay then so we can just try if we could just try and repeat December we'll be doing okay won't we? Yeah I think it's annoying we're now going to play well, assuming we... Well, let's not assume anything, but if we get through the replay, we're going to play something like six games in 19 days, which is not ideal given, I mean, Wednesday, Saturday, and then the replay. And then we play Hibs Rangers back-to-back and then you know, possibly the Cup again. Just giving us extra work to do that we didn't necessarily need to be doing. It's not as though yesterday was going to be an obvious we should definitely have won. We had a really good draw. We had a really good chance to be able to wrap it up, have 
a decent amount of time in between games and we're now going to be playing a game every three days basically. It's possible that we're just the kind of team that a week off doesn't really suit us. That we are better just focusing on game to game as opposed to having that downtime where we end up. The amount of players that have been had knocks and stuff in training, we seem to got into a good rhythm in December so I think we'll probably be alright. Everyone seems to be fairly fit. GMS didn't look 100% but I think we've probably got the squad to be able to take us through it. And a Tuesday night trip to Larbert for a treat. I've never been, and I don't think many have, so that'll be um, an experience. That's a good point there, it makes it. It comes in a week before we go to Easter Road, and Hibs obviously will have a free week because they got through without any hiccups whatsoever against a lower league team. We just could have done without it. Frankly, the players deserve it. They deserve to be put through that exertion. They deserve to have, I hope, and not for the sake of the travelling support, but for the, for the players, I hope it's freezing cold and it's driving rain and it's miserable. And, it, you know, that's the punishment for having to go through it again. <laughs> you know, hopefully we won't have as awkward a 90 minutes as we did on Saturday. Hopefully we're a lot more professional and we get the job done. Maxwell and Greg Stewart looked. I suppose the most bothered, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's all very well in the case of Greg Stewart. A couple of very nice turns and touches on the ball, but he should be putting that chance away for 2-0. And that's what he's been bought for. He's been bought to make the difference in those moments, to score those goals, put away those chances. Certainly not putting it all on Greg Stewart's shoulders, but collectively, I think the team have got to have got to show better. I think that's fair. I think you know, a few of them need, a few of them will be taking a proper hard, long, hard look at themselves after that because it certainly wasn't good enough. Uh, so we're going to move on now. We've got the well. So far, we will look at what's happened in the January transfer window. A couple of moves in, um, a contract extension for one of our star players as well. So we're going to kick off with the first one, and we'll come. Well, we'll come straight to you on this one, Aaron. Uh, we've got Max Lowe back from Derby. Now this pleases this pleases me twofold. Um, one because he's a very good player, and secondly, it means that Richard can put away his provoking stick by not mentioning Lee Wallace again. So, Aaron, um, I guess we should just thank you for this, really, should we? You're also welcome. Don't worry. I actually, I had people saying to me yesterday, oh, and well done on getting Max back. And, and I laugh and laugh, but I'm quite enjoying the fame. I love the club for that. I think that things like that are like, you know, it's nothing for the club to do that on Twitter and to announce it like that. But for the fans, that is such a big deal. Um, and the club are going to get that tweet printed out for me and Max is going to sign it, which is nice. Um, what it makes you think is that probably actually deep down, there was stuff going on in the background, and when I tweeted that, someone thought, oh, we'll keep that and use it. Um, you know, I don't think people were digging through for <laughs> tweets they could use to announce it. I have a feeling it was probably always a possible factor, and that we had, you know, as soon as he went, been hoping to get him back. And I suppose that probably the only delay was Darby getting a replacement. But I think Maxwell was excellent. He had the worst game of his life a couple of weeks ago against Leeds, but... He is so quick and he is really attacking and I just think he's been what we've been missing. I really like Andy Constantine. I've got a lot of time for him. I think he's a really solid player and I think he's really loyal to the club and I think he gets a lot of abuse he doesn't deserve. But in terms of speed down the wings, I, you, Shea is actually quite quick and I think Toby Hoban's probably quite quick as well. And Max Lowe has you know, speed. You see him run and he, it just looks so easy. He seems... So he really enjoys it and so he's really comfortable and I know he was enjoying his time at the club so I think that was you know, definitely a much better option than picking left back basically off the street. 
there were probably others we could have gotten. I suppose long-term max low is not affordable. Having him back for another six months could be the difference between a trophy or not. Yeah, I still think it's a danger in getting carried away with uh, with Max, though. I think everyone's fixated on him, fixated on, you know, they consider Andy Constant is a problem at left-back. I've never necessarily seen him as a problem. Certainly Max Lowe is a, is a more attacking left-back, but positionally he has given me the heebie-jeebies on a few occasions, and that was very, very obvious when he played for Derby against Leeds that he was getting caught out. Because he was up against a, a right-winger who was as pacey as him, he wasn't able to to use his pace to get back quite as effectively as he has done sometimes in uh, the SPFL. It was an area of the squad we could do with reinforcements in, and he settled in very well, putting some good performances in the first half of the season. And for all that I've criticised his defensive work, I would say that uh, at uh, Hamden for the League Cup final and at Ibrox against two, two of the harder games that he would see defensively, he did fine. He did absolutely fine. You know, I, I should reinforce that on top of any criticism that I might make about his positioning and his defensive work. I suppose it's important to have though the continuity of having someone there that the defence are comfortable with. Um, not just the defence, the midfield as well, I suppose. Um, but having a guy back who is, you know, he's been there for six months. Um, they know they kind of they know him pretty much inside out. You know what they'll get from him. That's something that rather than maybe having to bring in someone else who and the manager did identify, he did mention left back a couple of times, um, despite the fact he'd maybe, you know, there was maybe mumbles going on that Lowe would come back. Um, it's important that you know we have that that continuity there now. That's taken care of. Um, and so the, the team can now move forward and, dare I say, he can p- perhaps concentrate his efforts on looking to strengthen elsewhere. Well, I'm not convinced we'll see too much more movement. But yes, it's obviously a good thing that, you know, there won't be too much, uh, the same sort of bedding in process if we'd gone and got another uh, different player for the second half of the season. By scoring yesterday, it's apparent that, yes, he's, he's still going to provide a, a clear attacking threat for us which obviously is what we want to see from left-back, certainly against the, the poorer teams at home at Pitodri. That's the sort of games that he and uh, Logan should be real proper attacking outlets for us. And we've also seen the return of Greg Stewart. He's come back to Aberdeen after after an impressive six months on loan at Kilmarnock, from obviously from his parent club, Birmingham. We can, we'll caveat this with the very lazy, um, he was played out of position, or he played out of his preferred position in his first spell here. We've done the deep dive on here quite a few times, Aaron, um, on Greg Stewart. Um, we'll give the stats here. He started 22 games for us in his first spell, subbed off 16 times, scored four goals and five assists. To balance that out, in his time at Kilmarnock, playing in his preferred position, um, eight goals and 17 for them. He's obviously a talented player. It's great to have him back. Um, I think that the problem was at the time, when we had him the first time, we probably looked at him and expected him to be Johnny Hayes, which isn't the type of player he is. I think a bit of it is about not playing him necessarily in his correct position or possibly him just being not right at the time for the team. But I think there were, I mean, there were other problems. He would, you know, take a knock and, you know, obviously maybe not be training, be out for a week or two or, you know, not start a game or get subbed off. And then, you know, I actually have always quite liked him and my dad's quite a big fan of Greg Stewart, but the player he was at Killy. And the player he was when he was on yesterday, I wouldn't recognise him. He's lost about two stone. And I think one of the big issues was his fitness seems to just go up and down so greatly that it's really hard to call you know, whether he'll be good or not. So how do you know if you should pick him for a game? I don't think he was really ever probably at his prime when he was playing for us. I think he had 
know, moments of good play, but I don't think he was... Well, he wasn't as good as he was at Killy, and looking at how he played yesterday, I think he's going to be much better. So I think part of it is probably position, but I just don't think he was maybe... I don't think he was 100% the right player at the time. We also had a different kind of setup. We had, you know, McClay and Rooney, players who he maybe didn't fit in as well with. It looks like him and Cosgrove could be quite a good matchup. Cosgrove wasn't as good as he's been yesterday, but it looks as though they could play quite a nice partnership. And I was quite pleased that we managed to secure him. I think it's probably one of those signings where... In terms of morale, it's quite important because it looks as though a lot of people were interested and we've managed to basically poach him. And he has chosen to come to Aberdeen. And those kind of signings, I think, are important. I think, too, uh, the people that have kind of lazily said that, uh, oh, play him in a proper position and, you know, automatically you'll get the same return that he's shown at Kilmarnock. It's, it's very generous to the player himself I think first of all because as Aaron points out I think aspects of you know how he pitched up at Pataudry last July for a start not quite as fit as you would expect a professional footballer to be yeah in a lot of the games as well when he was given opportunities he just he didn't show enough and again the modern footballer should be flexible enough to be able to to show his worth in a number of different positions, you would have thought that he would have more opportunity to score, more opportunity to create in, a, in an Aberdeen side than he has for Kilmarnock, but he's, a, he's been an excellent fit for Kilmarnock, clearly. And it's not necessarily always just about the formation, it's about the players he plays with as well. And also, I think importantly, what you come up against. Because for Aberdeen, for a lot of games... You're going to come up against packed defences, like we saw yesterday, but half the teams in the Premier League are going to come to Pataudry and pack the defence and hope to get a point. I'm not quite sure, as well as, well as Kilmarnock have done, whether he, he faced that too often with Kilmarnock. I think he would have got more space to operate at Kilmarnock than he might do in the final third for Aberdeen. So... So again, it's not just a purely about a formation thing. The player's definitely got a responsibility. His teammates have got a responsibility. And, you know, it's about the, the stature of the club as well. I'm not actually convinced that it's going to be Cosgrove that is best partner. But we'll see how that pans out. Obviously, because of what Sam did in December, he deserves first dibs, if you like. I think the team as a whole... Yesterday, probably missed Stevie May's ability to, to drag defenders away and to that movement than it gained from having Sam Cosgrove playing. So we'll see how that pans out. Hopefully it wasn't just a flash in the pan from Sam and it wasn't just, you know, one stellar month in amongst a, a lot of mediocre months. As you kind of allude to there, Richard, one of the other things that happened during this transfer window so far is uh, Sam Cosgrove had uh, signed a contract extension until the summer of 2022. I'll be honest, uh, Richard, had you had you told me that was going to happen, if you'd said that to me back at the start of October, that we're going to offer him an extended contract, I would have sent the men after you with the white coats and a net. Um, because it didn't look like anything like that was happening. He's had an excellent December. It's just about finding the right partner for him up front. Um, would that be something, a reason why perhaps Greg Stewart's been brought in? Derek's looking to bring in someone who he can get, use to get the best out of Cosgrove? I, I'm not certain it's that. I think Greg Stewart is able to play that 10 role better than anybody else in the squad. So if you want to move away from a straight out, flat out 4 4 2. Stuart gives you that opportunity better than anyone else does, I think. So, you know, we had been lacking that person in the squad. The expectation is he might play a little bit further forward than, say, Ryan Christie would have done playing 10. Focusing on Sam, I think he did 
He did well in December, and I, I think more than that, as we said in the December podcast, a lot he he began to look like a striker. A lot of the goals he scored uh, were were proper striker goals. I think the one against Livingston at home, uh, really good movement. The goal against Hearts was excellent. Some strikers, some players are streaky players. Um, maybe this is going to be Sam. Maybe we're going to have runs like we saw in December, followed by a couple of months of drought. I think he's got possession of the uh, the striker's shirt at the moment. Uh, I think we've got some other good options, other people who can make big contributions, turn a game um, that are ready and waiting for him to go off the boil and uh, sort of partner Greg Stewart up there. And it's possible, I certainly think it's possible that James Wilson and or Stevie May might actually be better options with Greg Stewart, but we'll see. And it's up to him to to prove to people like me who are dating them that he has what it takes to be a regular week-in, week-out starter for a team with aspirations towards the top end of this division. That was the, that was obviously the well the ends ends for the transfer window. Aaron, well, I'll, just one thing. I mean, we've we've speculated before about where we would need to strengthen or what we got, what we would need to bring in. I mean, um, the manager never lets anything slip away, so it can sometimes be a bit of a waste of time speculating on who's going to come in and name and naming names. But um, wh- what would you like to see? Is there would you identify a position you would like to see a strengthening? I'd like Kenny McLean. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think we're going to get Ken McLean, but um, to be honest, people are clamouring out for, well, we need to sign someone, we need to do this, we need to do that, but I think the one issue we've had in terms of kind of team choice and positioning and how we're kind of setting up is that there have actually been too many players. I mean, okay, we've got a few injuries and stuff just now, but yeah, we could not get four players. I don't necessarily see that's going to help us because all we're going to do it's have a situation where players are annoyed because they're dropped, they're in, they're out. We don't know what the squad is. No one knows who anyone's best squad is. December worked really well because we basically played close enough to the same squad as we could. I think after the the second half of the Livy game, we played, just other than injuries, pretty much that squad for the rest of the games. And I think there is a risk that we will, you know, say we got two more players. I just don't know that we need them. We don't have, you know, we have enough just now. We've got a bench. I don't think we need to buy another, you know, two players in the hope that they might be amazing. Because who do we, you know, who do we drop? I think we need to. I think we need to focus on what we're kind of going to do before everyone's fit and how we're planning to set up. And I think we need to probably get Shinny and GMS extended. GMS, I think, was quite poor yesterday, but that's his first start since the Cup. He also has had an injury, which you know could have been life-threatening. It's not easy to come back and play, I suspect. And Graham Shinney, I'd have probably taken him off yesterday, but it's hard to stop your captain. I don't think Derek will ever do it. He had a bad game, but he occasionally does have a bad game. But I do think he makes up for it in all the good games he has, and the fact that I think as a captain, he's excellent. So I think if we can get contract extensions on both of those, we don't probably need to be scrabbling about trying to sign anyone before the window closes just because other teams have signed quite a few players. I think we need to take the approach with Shinny and Mackay Stevens that they're not going to re-sign. If, if it turns out that they do, then that's a tremendous bonus. You know, it's part, let's get the part of the grieving process started now. But, uh... <laughs> if Shinny didn't, didn't re-sign, who would you have as captain? 
I think there's a lot of potential options in the team right now. Um, I think obviously the situation could be very different in the summer with McKenna going as well. McKenna's right now, right now as a captain and waiting. But you know, you've got a guy like Devlin who was captain at Hamilton. You might be bringing in Joe Shaughnessy, uh, sorry, Joe Shaughnessy. A debate to be had, um, whether Joe would sacrifice being a starter week in, week out for St. Johnson to come and be more of a squad player here, because I'm not sure he, he gets ahead of a fit Michael Devlin. And really, if we're looking for, you know, what I would like to see happen, I would just like to see Michael Devlin and uh, Scott McKenna get a run of games at centre half together because I think they've got the makings of a, a very good partnership. And if we can keep those two fit for the second half of the season, then that's uh, that's going to do us a lot of good, I believe. The last time I saw Scott McKenna play is Aberdeen Campton. It's one of the worst games I've seen in my life. So it's put me off a little bit. I think I would give it to Andy Constantine. He's very loyal. Well, Constantine obviously was captain probably, what, six or seven years ago under Craig Brown anyway. So, so he's had his time, and that's what I mean. There are a lot of potential leaders in that dressing room. Not necessarily all of them with that same harem scarum up and at them sort of pitched on the pitch style, which makes Graham Shinney not a natural captain, but you know what I mean in terms of what certain people's impression of what a captain should be on the pitch. A lot of people associate the way that Graham Shinney plays football with how a captain should act. The same sort of people that think that every successful side should have, and I quote, a hard bastard in the middle of the park, it seems. Um, well, when Sam Cosgrove wins the Ballon d'Or, he'll be our obvious captain. Yes, well, there's another option as well. So the January, one more thing that happened in the January transfer window, Richard, is we saw Chris Forrester leave uh, the club. Obviously, there's some personal situation that's gone on with the lad there. I think it's just going to have to be chalked down as one of those things that didn't quite work out. Yeah, I mean, from an accounting point of view, the transfer fees are sunk cost. don't think there would have been a great deal, if anything, in terms of a payoff. I think, you know, it's very much at the request of the player, given, obviously, his family situation, what they've gone through, his desire to be close at home to his partner and his child as well in Dublin. And he's uh, obviously suffering from a quite severe bout of homesickness, which has been amplified considerably by the death of his sister. So so in those circumstances, I think um, it's probably a, a good solution for, for everyone concerned, really. Aberdeen get someone off the wage bill who was probably not a top top earner, but probably only a, a reasonable sum of money having come from League One down in England. The player gets to resurrect his career in a more comfortable surrounding. You know, hopefully it frees up a little bit of space in the squad for Derek to perhaps bring in somebody that can contribute a bit more. Obviously, things definitely haven't worked out for Chris Forrester at his time here. Um, I think we all hoped he'd be the solution for the number 10 role, but, you know, obviously in football things move very quickly. And uh, just a couple of days ago, we obviously secured Greg Stewart and uh, he's going to, hopefully make that position as own over the next few months. Yeah, you can see obviously Forrester's got he's got himself sorted out with a new club as well and so um we obviously we we wish him all the best for the future. And so we'll get right into the Hamilton review as well. Uh a what turned out to be a fairly straightforward uh, victory, Richard. It started off Started off a little bit scrappy. Uh, Stevie May comes back in. But I think the real work I I wouldn't want to say I worry, but uh, when you saw the team lines come out as well, there was a bit of a panic. I mean, we're all a bit confused over where Greg Stewart was going to be. We we all seem to think he might have been chucked out, chucked out wide again. And uh, he kind of was, I suppose. But the front four were very, very fluid throughout the game. Stevie May would often play 
was often playing wide left, Mackay Stephen wide right, Stuart at 10 or Stuart right and Mackay Stephen left. Uh, they moved about a fair bit and uh, and certainly gave Hamilton um, quite a restless uh, evening, certainly between the opening goal and the third goal, when we were really in total control of the match. Um, but uh, you're right to point out that the, the opening stages were anything but comfortable, and really it took a tremendous stop from Joe Lewis to stop us going 1-0 down, which would obviously have changed the whole complexion of the, the evening. I had plenty of occasions that we can remember going to Hamilton, going behind and just not being able to claw ourselves back into the game because Hamilton then have something to cling on to. But we get the opening goal and it's a it's a very scrappy one. I'm not quite sure what Sam Cosgrove is trying to do with the first header. But, uh, he gets fortunate, it comes straight back to him and uh, he just about manages to nerdle into the corner of the net with a bit of a deflection. But the second goal, well, that's just confidence for you, isn't it? I, I mean, it's generous defending to say the least, but... Again, this is the sort of goal you cannot have imagined Sam Cosgrove scoring back at the start of December. The change in the lad is uh, is quite remarkable. Which, uh, you know, given I was critical of him for his display against uh, Stennis Muir when things were hitting off him and not sticking and he seemed very isolated, it's good that again he, he comes and he makes a very positive contribution again. What was the thing I want to ask though, Richard, is are you going to give him the third? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, again, it's pretty average goalkeeping anyway to let it uh, head towards the line. But I think Lewis Ferguson is the one who, who gets there before it's over and, and knocks it home. So, uh, again, a good return from Lewis Ferguson in terms of goals. I think the one more thing on Cosgrove, I think... Even when he wasn't scoring, he did always provide us with a focal point, which maybe our other striking options in the squad hadn't been doing up to that point in the season. So presence, he's, he's occupying defenders, he's a nuisance, he's not trying to come back to the halfway line to, to get on the ball. He can go half an hour without touching it. That, that doesn't bother him as much as it might have bothered James Wilson or Stevie May, who really kind of need to be involved, I think. I don't want to be too disrespectful to Hamilton, but you're right to mention that, you know, the, the importance of you know, not conceding that chance early on, getting that first goal. Because, I mean, as, as soon as the, the first goal went in, uh, we came. We, obviously, you you go one 0 up. You come right back, right into the game. But they just seem to wither. Not that I particularly care that much, but you have to fear for Hamilton this season. I thought we had an element of control in the game, which we haven't always had this season. Uh, we weren't creating a huge amount of chances, but after we scored, you know, the game was played almost exclusively in the Hamilton half, which is a which is a really good sign away from home at a venue we've often struggle that. I would like us to be a bit more fluid, I would like us to be creating tons of chances obviously, you know, like that fantastic hip side, what are they, ninth now or something? <laughs> um, it, it, it was pleasing from that point of view that we didn't really allow them a sniff back into the game, we did have an element of control. There were some good performances I was impressed by Stevie May in the first 45, Max Lowe looks very assured again, Shinny and Ferguson dovetailed pretty effectively in the midfield. Some of the others maybe have got a lot of way to go, Guy McKay Stephen you feel is just finding his way back into into form and fitness James Wilson wasn't in the 18 tonight I don't know what the story was there but uh, be surprising if uh, he missed out for tactical reasons tonight so um, you know we still got a few injury worries uh, knocking around the squad I think the good thing tonight was because we had that control 
because Hamilton didn't really threaten. It was a clean sheet, and that's something that's maybe been a bit lacking this season, certainly when we've not had Devlin and McKenna together. You mentioned as well, obviously earlier on, about the confidence that it gives someone like Cosgrove. After after what was a, a pretty poor performance on Saturday, coming out of that game, clean sheet, totally unscathed, um, really was really is kind of the boost that hopefully the players will take on to what is now going to be a really important game on Saturday. Yeah, and it, it's a game to look forward to, absolutely. Kilmarnock will be absolutely buzzing with that result tonight. Two points ahead, we can go above them. The Rangers don't play until Sunday. We can go into second with a win. It's all there for us, and I think we've got as well the element of revenge after they came here and... Uh, I mean, they, they celebrated pretty wildly for a team that were playing against 10 men for pretty much the whole game, their 2-0 win back in September, which they're, of course, totally entitled to do. Uh, and, and yeah, it's brilliant. Stevie Clark has clearly lost his mind over this. Um, and it's superb. <laughs> it's brilliant to see. And yeah, there will be a bit of needle, absolutely. As soon as Greg Stewart touches the ball next Saturday, he'll be uh, booed to the rafters from the away support, who he's given a lot of positive memories for in, during his time there. But I'm afraid... That's the reality of football. It's just like we're probably going to lose Graham Shinney and Guy McHale-Stevens to teams that can pay more on us. And that's more or less, I think we can assume, safely assume has happened here, that we've been able to pay more of Greg Stewart's wages than Kilmarnock have. Definitely adds a bit of needle to the game. As a, well, I, I, can, I can totally echo that, Richard, yeah. Um, like, I say, we lost, like we said, Aaron, there, we lost early, early in the season. Um, required a really late comeback at Rugby Park as well. Um, obviously, that Lewis... Lewis Ferguson free kick uh, got us the three points that day on what was what was a was a really awful performance by us as well. As Richard would mention, there it's a chance to really make a statement as well, and go, you know we can be going above them in the league, which is the minimum of what we would really expect this season anyway. Yeah, I find uh, Kelly Ronaldo and for a long time, I think there was something like they hadn't lost in twenty one games except to us, and it was kind of a given we'd probably beat them, and it wasn't. It wasn't as hard as it maybe was for other teams. I mean, they were beating Rangers, Celtic. Teams were really struggling, and we weren't. And then that loss um, back in September, I think it was, obviously gave us a bit of a shock. The game in November, yeah, we were awful. And when we went 1-0 down, I don't I don't think anyone thought we were going to win that. Probably one of my favourite games this season. You know, picked up slightly. We pushed forward, and we seemed to like playing them we play a more aggressive style I I actually I love like, rugby park is one of my favorite if not the favorite away day I think it's really good and I think generally we seem to raise the bar a little bit when we play Kelly so I would expect it to be a good game the game at the same time last year was the Scott McKenna beauty but I actually thought now again score that game was fantastic as well we don't like to make it easier for ourselves but I do think we will raise our game slightly and I would expect they're either to be a loss of goals and us to edge it 3-2, 4-3 maybe, or for us to just pull something out of the bag and have it wrapped up by half-time. Indeed, so let's hope for a big statement win next Saturday then against home to Kilmarnock. That is our show for this week. It's been a, it's been a pleasure as always. I uh, want to thank Richard Hay as usual for coming on, Richard. Thank you very much. No problem. And once again, thank you very much to Erin for joining us. It's a pleasure as always, Erin. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. We will be back with you next week. Come on, you Reds.